The information in today's episode is not to be used as medical advice. If you are currently struggling with or dealing with something out of the ordinary, we highly recommend talking directly to your provider. Welcome to the Flow State Podcast, where we're all about finding balance. We're your hosts, Monica Groney and Nora Candido. Now let's get into the flow. I am very excited to host our special guest today. We have Dr. Melissa Olson with us, who is a doctorate in physical therapy, and she specializes in pelvic floor health. This is an area that I feel is maybe just coming into vogue, but there's a lot of correlations between hormone health. Melissa and I have worked together referring clients back and forth, especially around GI health issues. But a lot of things that we're going to talk about today, I think you will learn the connection between the pelvic floor health and our overall health as well. A little bit more about Melissa. She, like I mentioned, is a doctorate in physical therapy. She's a registered yoga teacher. She specializes in orthopedics and pelvic floor health and has a virtual practice. She has an amazing and super robust YouTube channel with a lot of free resources and has some incredible programs as well. So Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'd love for you to just share a little bit more with our listeners about yourself. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to talk about, I could talk about it all the time, pelvic health. (laughs) And I got into it because I ended up having my own issues with this like deep nagging hip pain that never went away. Yes, a physical therapist who could not get rid of her hip pain. And I kept going to all these doctors and I was doing exercises and nothing really seemed to completely get rid of it. So I started diving deeper and learning more about pelvic health and how the core works. And that was game changer. It made such a difference for myself with my workouts. I wasn't constantly waking up, stretching my hip in the middle. And it made such a big difference with all of my clients. Clients that I could see, they would get that 90% better, but then it still continued to kind of linger around. So when you taught them some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, it really made such a big difference in how they were feeling. Um, So that's how I got into it. And I see people one-on-one. I have, like Nora said, tons of information on our YouTube channel, working virtually and doing workshops and really just trying to spread the word about pelvic health and that you don't just have to continue to struggle with things. Would you say that your hip pain was caused by anything or was it just like female anatomy doing its thing? It was just like repetitive. I think it really came down to how I was running and the mechanics when I was doing, especially when you're at that fatigue point, I had lots of different things going on with my hip and there's such a big connection with our deep hip rotator muscles attaching into our pelvic core. I was constantly like squeezing my core tight all of the time. So it wasn't a specific injury. It just gradually came on over time and it kind of would rear its ugly head and then like get a little better and then come back again. So it was more of the habits and things I was doing. And would you say that like these issues around hip, around pelvic floor are primarily female issues? No, they're not. It's like anyone who has a pelvic floor, like this affects everybody. Can you just share like 
What is the pelvic floor? Like debunk this for us, for our listeners. If you've never even heard, you're like, wait, what is this thing I have? Can you give us the deep dive? Your pelvic floor muscles, if you think of them as like a hammock or a sling, a bowl at the bottom of our pelvis, but it's not just your pelvic floor muscles. It's a whole entire system that has to work together. A lot of times I'll hear people say like, oh, I just have to strengthen and squeeze and just focus on my pelvic floor muscles. But the thing that is missing is working on the entire system, which involves your abdominals, your breathing muscle, your diaphragm, your deep back stabilizers, and you can put your glutes in there and so many other things. But those are the main key players in how your pelvic floor and your core system works. Your pelvic floor needs to be reactive, reflexive, adapt to all the different movements and transferring this load as we're moving through the day. And if breathing, maybe you hold your breath, breathing can interrupt how you are using your pelvic floor muscles and create too much tension, which is typically what I see with people. We're either gripping and holding too tight with those muscles. We need to re-coordinate, retrain those muscles versus just focusing on squeezing and strengthening, which maybe you've already tried that and it makes some of your symptoms worse. Hey there, Flow State Podcast listeners. It's your host, Monica. I wanted to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you a little bit about my brand, Marea. Marea is a nutritional company that helps support women who are dealing with symptoms of hormone imbalance. I don't know about you, but I struggled with awful periods for over 17 years. Head back to season one, episode five, to learn more about my story and struggles with PMDD. When I discovered the life-changing benefits of having a solid foundational multivitamin in my everyday routine, my life was changed forever. I had more energy, my moods were balanced, I was able to resume life as usual and feeling normal sometimes just feels so freaking good. That's why I teamed up with dietitians, nutritionists, naturopathic doctors, and OBGYN to create the best possible foundational multivitamin for women who experience symptoms of hormone imbalance. I am so excited to share this with you. If you haven't checked it out yet, head to www.mareawellness.com. And of course, for all of our listeners, I have a special discount. You can use the code FLOWPOD, F-L-O-W-P-O-D at checkout to get a special discount. Okay, back to the episode. I was yelling at Monica the other day. She shared a squatting video and I was like, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are some breath holds that you could like, I feel like you should hold your breath when you go into a movement. We should breathe through it. But like, I've always been told to hold my breath at the top. Is that not right? No, that's where everyone is a little different. I mean, I'll teach people the basics and working your way up, but all the athletes I work with, it is so common, like hold my core super tight all the time. And I even used to use some of these cues when I first started practicing and teaching yoga. I'm like, oh my gosh, how many pelvic floors? Like, oh no, (laughs) I shouldn't have been saying those things because when you do hold your breath, you're creating way too much inter-abdominal pressure. And if you already have 
a tight pelvic floor. So if you think of it as that hammock and it's already lifted up, you hold your breath, so your breathing muscles on the top, it's got nowhere to go but down, which can then lead to leaks, hip pain, back pain. So the breath is really key in if you just want to look at it from a performance standpoint and generating more strength and performance and then in trying to prevent and get rid of all the things that come along with pelvic floor dysfunction. It's so interesting. And I think too, as women, we don't consider, I mean, men, I don't know if they ever consider their pelvic floor, but we don't really consider it until childbirth when then like the pelvic floor has been super disrupted and we're trying to heal that or prepare it for birth. And so it's even like news to me that we should be thinking about it beyond just childbearing years. Yeah, absolutely. You think about like your biceps or your glute muscles, you want to train your pelvic floor the same exact way like you train other muscles and pay attention to it. It's not just kind of like, oh, I'll deal with it when it becomes a problem. Maybe we can just dive into like what are some symptoms or even signs of having either a weak pelvic floor or a too tight pelvic floor. If there's right, there's such a thing, you can be too tight. We see that with a lot of my constipation patients. And for me, the rhetoric has always been you need to be tightening, you need to be doing Kegels, you need to, it's that gripping, like we're holding on, sucking in our stomachs. Like you said, shallow breathing or holding our breath where we don't understand that it is all connected until you might start having what are these like outward facing symptoms that we might start seeing. Absolutely. And that's what you said, the tightness in the pelvic floor. A lot of people are like, what? It's too tight. Like, why am I peeing my pants? I mean, I even did it when I was in my 20s with the hip pain. I remember playing in a kickball league and I like sprinted to first base. And I was like, oh my goodness, did I just pee my pants? I'm in my 20s. I haven't had kids. Like, what the heck? But it's because I've been doing a lot of these things that make my pelvic floor too tight. So symptoms of a tight pelvic floor, you can also look at them as weak, but most of the time it's tightness, is if you have leaking when you laugh, run, jump, lifting, if you have pain with sex, if you have constipation is another one, acid reflux, low back pain, tailbone pain, deep nagging hip pain that just doesn't seem to go away. It can even show up as foot pain. So it can show up in lots of different ways. And bathroom, if you are constantly running to the bathroom, that is another sign that that pelvic floor is too tight and needs a little extra attention. So that's like an overreactive bladder, you mean, like going to the bathroom too often. Yeah, going to the bathroom too often, if you have difficulty starting the flow of urine, if it kind of sprays all over the place, or you, if you have to push, if you go to the bathroom and then get up and feel like you haven't completely emptied your bladder is another one. Yeah. And I think it was interesting too, what Nora said around like <laughs> constipation, because I was just listening to a podcast I think it was a Huberman Labs podcast, of course, but it was like the hormones one. And it was talking about how women, I think like the biggest issue that we're seeing across I, most of our population is constipation. And it comes from this like stress response that we're all carrying around of always feeling this like tension in our bodies. They were just kind of discussing like how that is a contributing factor. And like at the end of the day, that response that 
is keeping us constipated could really be living in the pelvic floor, right? Absolutely. Like stress is one of the big things that I talk about. I'm always working on my stress. <laughs> yeah, we all are. We all are. <laughs> but that is a really big thing. When that stress response, it initiates that gripping, that tension that we're having in the pelvic floor. Things are too tight. We're not able to have the diaphragm come all the way. Like you want this nice system to go back and forth. And when we're stressed, it's up here creating too much interabdominal pressure and can lead to even more gripping of those glutes, gripping in your jaw, through the connection between your jaw and your pelvic floor as well. So stress is a really big thing. It's easier said than done, but stress plays a really big role in the pelvic floor. From a hormonal standpoint, like Nora, maybe you can talk a little bit to what constipation is doing to our hormones, because that's a huge pathway of elimination for us. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that's really where I started to poke a little bit more into pelvic floor health and supporting my clients. It was not something that I was super familiar with. And seeing the correlation between constipation. And again, for me, it was this rhetoric that has been told of like, you need to be doing Kegels over and over again from a young age. And actually, I would say for the majority, and Melissa, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that we actually need to be relaxing it and learning how to relax our pelvic floor. So that's where I've learned this connection to help support my clients with constipation specifically. And yeah, we've talked about Absolutely. That connection between constipation and our hormones having issues is because it is our primary way of elimination and our body gets rid of all of these excess hormones through our stool. So if we're not going to the bathroom regularly or even having more complete movements, then it's going to have this downwind effect of impacting our hormones. So that's one connection. But then there's also a connection between the actual strength of the pelvic floor. And we can talk about this of how the pelvic floor changes over our lifespan in that there are estrogen fluctuations. So even at different points during our cycle, and as we get older, estrogen impacts muscle contraction, right? We've talked about that on this podcast too before. And the tissue elasticity, the strength and kind of also the tension or the elasticity of it. So I see this other correlation where throughout the lifespan, we need to adjust and change how we're treating our pelvic floor health. But for me, it's really like the behaviors and things that we're doing over time that we might not even know are causing this disruption other than like the gripping and things. Maybe Melissa, we can talk a little bit about like what are some behaviors or lifestyle things that people are doing that might be hurting their pelvic floor? We just talked about holding our breath and sucking in our stomach. What are some other kind of big ones that come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. So breath is a big one. So belt like belly breathing. Yeah, sure. Great. Belly breathing is absolutely good. It's a great way to help regulate your nervous system for stress and anxiety, but it increases that interabdominal pressure. If you breathe into your chest, that also disrupts things. If um, sitting, I'm behind my computer sitting a lot. What happens is our pelvis is put in a different position that's not optimizing our core and our pelvic floor, which could lead to gripping and tension. With a posture, we are mid back and our rib cage gets really tight and stiff. And that makes it really hard for our diaphragm, that breathing muscle to contract and relax to help with the pelvic floor. 
And with posture, it's the other thing I see with people too is posture. Like, oh, I really have to work on my posture and stand up super tall and like really rigid. But again, that's going to disrupt how you're using your diaphragm that impacts your pelvic floor. And then on the flip side of that, like exercising, different types of lifting, if your pelvis is in a certain type of position or you hold your breath throughout it, or like I mentioned, I use some of these cues um, with teaching yoga before I learned about it. Pull that belly button in towards your spine. Keep your core engaged the entire time throughout this workout. So when you're exercising, really paying attention to the breathing and posture because that can have an impact on your pelvic floor. What we wear on our feet, your shoes make a really big difference. I could talk about feet all the time. Goodness. I love that. Uh, (laughs) Your feet, you want, instead of like squeezing them into shoes and your toes aren't working, you can't use those deep muscles in the bottom of your foot. You want to be able to spread and move your toes. I love wide toe box shoes. That's one of the first things I'll go to when I'm working with clients is just trying to get them either working on being barefoot or in these wider toe box shoes to make a big difference. I noticed a huge difference starting to work out with no shoes on and just like, I feel like my toes used to be so close together and now they're more relaxed. I do. I want to talk to you about like gripping of toes though and that connection. So when, let's say you're either squatting or maybe you're balancing, tendency is when you'll go and hold your breath and then you go to grip your toes. And when you're gripping your foot, it's your body's way of looking for stability. And that grip, instead of using your core and your pelvic floor system and letting that breath come down, your body's like, oh, I need help. I'm going to grip and tighten up. That will travel up the chain and tighten your pelvic floor even more. Because our, if you think of fascia, your tissue, think of it as this Spider-Man suit that like you kind of step into and it's everywhere. And the bottom of our feet, the fascia, connects all the way up through our pelvic floor. You have a nerve connection. The nerves that innervate your calves and your feet are the same nerves that innervate your pelvic floor and your bladder. Movement, the movement that happens at your feet affects your shins and then your what's happening at your hips and then comes up and affects the movement that's happening at your pelvis. So just that gripping kind of impacts lots of those different systems. I'm kind of curious if, okay, say someone's like going into their workout, they know they're going to be squatting and doing that type of lower body movement. Like, are there some kind of central nervous system preps that they can do movement prep to kind of relax the pelvic floor and, or even get into that rhythm of starting to add it into their routine? Like, what would that look like? Wow. I love doing a warm up before and after. And I mean, I fall guilty in here too. Sometimes we're like, we don't have time to do this. But you're like, if you warm, like, look at warming up your pelvic floor before your workout. So you could do one or two exercises to really feel that length. Child's pose is a great one, thinking of sending your breath 
down towards your low back, spreading those hip bones apart. Happy baby is another great one to do. And if you can't grab your feet, like laying on your back and grabbing your feet, pulling your knees towards your shoulders, you grab the backs of your knees and just take one or two minutes really gently. Like we're not forcing the breath down there. It's like a gentle breath going down to the pelvic floor. And then from like the feet perspective, you could just gently roll, kind of like scribble, roll the bottom of your feet before your workout. It's going to get the mobility in the feet a little better, the fascia, the tissue, that connection up to your pelvic floor. So I love picking just one or two things before your workout. And then like anything workout, you want to also cool down your pelvic floor afterwards too. You made it work hard, so it needs a little bit of a break. Yeah, wouldn't those movements be the same in the cool down kind of arena? Yeah, they can be similar. Like any hip mobility, working on stretching out your hips. I mean, I I love happy beat. That's my (laughs) go-to. Yeah, and I feel like that's most commonly, we see it at the end of a workout, right? That's when we'll go into the happy baby and the child's pose, especially in a yoga class, we're going back into parasympathetic, like all of that. But it is interesting to hear, like maybe it's on both ends of the workout. And everyone is different. It's finding like what pattern works best for you. So maybe you have to do some pelvic floor relaxation and then maybe fire something real quick to fire up your glutes. I find glute strength is a big one with people. Like before you go out for your run, get those glutes fired. Before you're going to go for a lift, like get them fired up after you relax so they can help out your core and your pelvic floor. What's your go-to move for that? I like for bridging, single leg bridging. If you don't want to get down on the ground, just standing and doing some standing clamshells or standing, kicking your leg back. But the key is you want to feel that booty fire up. A lot of times people are like, I feel it in my back. I feel it in my hamstrings. Like you want to feel the glutes. So it's making adjustments with how you're breathing or maybe slightly adjusting your posture so that you feel the glutes kick on. Or you can add in another muscle group like our lats like to work with our opposite glutes. So maybe you do a lat exercise combined with your glutes to get them fired up. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like those like small, even bar movements that are very like glute focused. That can be really great. That's a good tip. I need to remember that for running. One of the cues that I think really stands out from your work, Melissa, is like when you're either on your back or I even think about being in a plank or a push-up position and you see that like abdominal doming where like your stomach is kind of rounded. Can we talk about like what that might be indicative of? When you're doing some type of core exercise work, if you turn to look down at your abdomen and you see that your abdomen is pushing out, something needs to be adjusted because you are creating too much pressure. When you have too much pressure, it leads to that gripping and tightness in the pelvic floor. So a couple things you could do is just adjusting your breathing. Like I love the cue of you're blowing out candles as you're exhaling that. And sometimes you adjust it, maybe do a little lighter, maybe do it a little firmer, but to really feel that lifting up from the pelvic floor, it's this drawing and lifting coming all the way up versus that pushing and bearing down type of pressure. Interesting. Now I'm like sitting here trying to like blow out candles and thinking about what's happening. It really does take, like there's such a brain body connection to be able to make it happen. It does. And this is the thing people are like, 
seriously, I have to work on my breathing. I have to do, this is so boring, but it's so challenging and it takes practice and time. And it, once you get it down, you're like on cruise control, but getting it down can be difficult because everyone's a little different. And maybe you have to lift your pelvis a little more, drop that rib cage or slight weight shifting. And all of those things make a really big difference. So in that kind of lens of like we're all gripping too much. Are Kegels kind of the wrong thing for us to be doing? I don't teach Kegels. <laughs> I teach people how to use their core system and exercises and movements that we're going to need to do throughout our day. So if you think about the typical, you're sitting at a red light or you're brushing your teeth, Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. That's not going to help you when you have to bend over and pick something up or when you're going for your run. So you want to train this system in the activities that you are going to be doing. So I teach it using everything. And maybe someone who's having a really hard time feeling that connection, I'll go and do some mid-back work and chest stretching and opening up. Okay, now take a breath. Can you feel that connection a little better? versus, okay, just keep squeezing and like making it tighter and tighter. And it's going to be harder for them to feel that. So I don't teach Kegels. Yeah. I think that's going to be a big mind blower for a lot of people, especially people who've specifically done pelvic floor work, maybe like around pregnancy. But I think a lot of people will be really like interested to hear that. Yeah. You want that pelvic floor to relax and then activate. It needs to do both. And I hear so often people are like, well, I went to my doctor and they just said Kegels. I even have gone to physical therapy for it. Just do your Kegels. And like nothing is getting better. So they feel like they're just stuck and they, this is all they've been told to do, but taking a step back and you want a practitioner that's going to be able to tell you to use the entire system. Like you want to talk about your feet. You want to talk about your mid back. They want to be able to watch you move and things that you're doing so they can pick up on subtle little adjustments that will help you throughout your day. Yeah, this has been so interesting. Uh, like, I love this topic and kind of just changing the way that we think about that part of our body, as well as this deep connection that it has to even our gut health, constipation, hormone health, all of that. Our body is so interconnected and it, I'm just amazed at all there is to kind of understand. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, Monica, what's been the most surprising thing so far that you've learned here? I mean, I think when I'm listening, I'm kind of like taking it in for how my body reacts. And like, I know my abdomen domes a lot and I am someone who like grips a lot. And I'm sure that that's coming into play in running and in lifting. And I have been having some hip pain. So like... I think I need to just be a little bit more mindful of how I'm working to actually release and allow that muscle to relax a little bit. Yeah, that's to me, like when I started learning about this, just like you said, all of the interconnectedness of it. And like for me, working with GI issues and people experiencing reflux and constipation and just knowing that it is part of this much greater system. And for me, I really love educating people. It's just like seeing that wonder and awe that just transpired here to me is so cool. Like just having more appreciation for your body, for all of the intricacies and how one system compensates for another. For me, it's definitely, you know, I talked about or raised my hand when we were saying going to the bathroom and then you get up and you feel like you have to go again, that like not complete emptying. And one thing that I love 
kind of surprising people with is we talk about like the just in case pee where like you're running out the door and you're like, oh, better go just in case I have to go. And maybe Melissa, you can talk a little bit about practices around the just in case pee. <laughs> oh, the just in case pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. I mean, but it's also like a learned thing, right? Because your mom was like, you have to try. Like, you better try. You gotta go. Oh, I don't want to go to the bathroom out in public. Oh my goodness. Like, I've got to go. And it's training your body. So we talked about the feet connection. And I'm not promoting like hold your pee all of the time. This is if you're constantly going to the bathroom. Going to the bathroom every two to four hours is normal. But if you go every 30 minutes, this is for you. The breathing, just taking a couple of gentle diaphragmatic breaths, like where we breathe to the sides and front and back of our rib cage so that you can relax that nervous system, relax your pelvic floor, which is gripping and putting pressure on your bladder. If you're just getting home and like you're scurrying and trying to like hurry to the bathroom or the just in case pee, the urge comes on, if you stand up and do a couple of heel raises, so come up onto your toes, maybe eight to 10 times, coupled with that breathing, that sensation should go away and help you continue to build up so you can go longer and longer in between the piece to get to that normal two to four. Yeah, I love that tip. And I think, yeah, like Monica said, it's just kind of put in our head from a very young age of, you know, I don't want to have to stop if we're going on a road trip. Like, and for me, it's almost tamping down when your body should have these intuitive signals. Like your bladder's full, you go to the bathroom. If it's not, then you don't. If you're hungry, you eat something. (laughs) Like building back that inner wisdom is what I call it, or that body trust is so, so important because yeah, the mind-body connection, like we want to preserve that as much as possible. It's huge. And another thing, Nora, I know you talk a lot about it is like being hydrated. I mean, I even learn like, like I'm, I tell people all the time, this is how much you have to drink. And because I work, work out so much, I wasn't drinking enough. But when you're constantly going to the bathroom or if you are peeing your pants, you're like, oh no, I do not want to drink more. By dehydrating yourself, you're actually irritating your bladder even more. So really making sure that you're hydrated can help with that constantly feeling like you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And we talk a lot about you and I electrolytes as well and how that saved us helps your body just hold on to the pee. This is such a tangent, but if your urine is clear, you are overhydrated and you need to help support your body actually hold on to that and get it into your cells. So we'll plug element on this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We need an element sponsorship. I feel like we talk about them way too much. (laughs) Yeah. So amazing. Do you feel like, Melissa, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think would be helpful for our audience that you want to touch on before we go into our lightning round and wrap up? Nora, did you have something? I was going to ask if we could talk a little bit about prolapse and just like some of the changes that do happen throughout the life cycle, like with childbirth, what sort of exercises. Is that a time when maybe we do need a little bit of pelvic floor rehab? Are we doing more of the system work, not just the Kegels? And then in my experience, hearing more and more about prolapse across the lifespan and that connection to our pelvic floor health as well. So I think seeking out pelvic floor therapists is super helpful. Like even before childbirth or leading up to going into childbirth, they can really give you different tips and positions of like delivery. Everyone is different in what position works best for them and what 
pressure that puts on your pelvic floor. So kind of exploring those options can be really helpful and finding providers that are open to that with you. I find is really helpful because a lot of people just think that bearing down, that pushing out, your uterus is going to push your baby out. <laughs> Not like bearing and pushing down. So being prepared going into that can be really helpful for preventing prolapse. And then after having your baby go get checked out by a pelvic floor therapist. They can really help guide you in getting back to some of the basics, the breathing, the posture. Am I ready to return to exercises? Make sure I'm doing these exercises properly because that's where I see a lot of people have a hard time is, all right, now I've had my baby and my pelvic floor doesn't, I'm not really connected down there. I'm not sure what's going on. So learning some skills and strategies can be really helpful to get that reflexive responding system working for you again. Because a lot of people grip and tense, even with prolapse, a lot of times prolapse is that gripping, that tension, too much inter-abdominal pressure that they're having. And that's throughout the lifespan. So I'm always coming back to how are you moving? What are you doing? What adjustments can we make? Because a lot of people think, oh, well, I have prolapse surgery is my only option, but you're not getting to the root cause of the problem. I can't tell you how many women I've worked with that have gone, had surgery, and then they end up in the same place because they have not addressed those root cause issues. God, it's the same in every aspect of our health. We're, you know, covering things up and getting surgery and all of that. And at the end of the day, it's really these like root issues that we need to open our eyes to a little bit. That was one thing that I know listeners have kind of asked for and wanted to talk about, but any other things that you think we're missing? We covered a lot today. I mean, I could always know. <laughs> I think just knowing that your pelvic floor, there, it's not just your pelvic floor. So many things are connected into it. It's your stress levels, your mid back, even the position of your head makes a really big difference with how you're breathing. Pelvic floor is being reactive, our hips, our feet, and finding a way to work the entire system and not just saying, I have to strengthen and do Kegels are kind of the big thing. And kind of like we talked about with prolapse, not just jumping to that surgery because there's so many things that can be super helpful. One of my favorite exercises for prolapse is just the happy baby, but like getting your pelvis elevated, put a couple pillows, put a yoga block under your hips and just focus on your breathing. That, that's the number one thing I go to, breathing and a couple of gentle stretching exercises to help with that. You mentioned the position of the head playing a role, especially in our breathing. Do you think that like tech neck is making a difference in our breathing? Oh yes. I think I think technic definitely contributes to that. And then the technic, your mid back gets so tight, that also contributes to it. So yeah. Again, you don't have to stand up super tall because that's not comfortable and that's gonna create more tension as well. Just this lengthening and stacking everything so that it's working optimally. I started doing these like rolfing sessions in the fall of just learning how to stack my bones so that I was just always, anytime I'm standing, like engaging my quads, engaging my glutes, that tightening and have relearned how to just use my body and my bones to find balance. And it made it really significant. I actually started to have atrophy in my quads and noticed some 
physical changes in it, but noticed improvements in so many other areas. So it's allowing me to strengthen those muscles and use them appropriately instead of gripping my toes and just being tight all the time as we've been heading home today. Literally. I mean, like, especially in talking about going to the bathroom and both urinating and pooping, like people want to get in, they want to get out, they're bearing down, they're putting so much pressure and force down there. I talk about this from a point of causing hemorrhoids. And yeah, but you can damage your pelvic floor this way. Relax, we all just need to. Yeah. <laughs> the gymnast effect, I feel like when you're a gymnast, you always like stick it and hold everything tight. And then it's like, if you learn that at a young age, it sticks with you. 100%. We're unlearning now. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, this has been so much good information. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this. I'm sure they're going to be Googling your YouTube page to find exercise suggestions. So I can't wait for them to share that. We want to do a little lightning round that we do with all of our guests. So we're just going to ask you four questions. And yeah, we're excited to hear you share. Okay. (laughs) Ready. (laughs) These weren't on the list. I know. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) No, you'll be great. They're super easy. Okay. Actually, the one that I forgot was your favorite menstrual care product. I think we had that on the original list. It stumped me. We stumped her. I know. It stumped me. <laughs> like, I don't have a favorite one. I'll go with cup. What is your favorite form of self-care? Oh, my gosh. I have so many. I love working out. That is like a must. Like you don't want to be near me if I don't get my workout in. And then my other one is I've been going and getting, going and getting like facials done. And matcha. I feel like matcha is your self-care too. Oh yeah. My matcha in the morning. Yes. Which I have now learned I have a little later in the day. So I'm about to go have it in a little bit. (laughs) Love that. Would you prefer your AM routine or your PM routine? AM routine. What makes it for you? Oh, I just like love getting up in the morning, going for my, like after my workout, it's like, okay, I'm ready for the day. Here we go. And then I've got that matcha in there. Love that. Is there a book that has inspired you recently and or like whenever? I am not a big reader. I do like a lot of reading, like research, research articles is what I kind of spend most of my time doing. So I I don't have a book that I've read recently. It's been a long time. Okay, this is bonus one that I'll ask. Is a favorite meal to cook or to eat? I don't have favorites with stuff. Let's see. I don't do the cooking. Achille does the cooking. Really good steak that's from this organic butcher from a local farm that's really good. And then we go to the farmer's market and get like whatever fresh vegetable. I know that's like, sounds really not fun. Like I'm eating pizza or different things, but that's like our go-to meal that we're like, yes, this is so good. No, it's so good. And I mean, eating seasonally, eating from a local farm, it sounds delicious. Thank you so, so much for all of your information and shares. And yes, please go look Melissa up. Her Instagram is amazing. Her YouTube channel is so good. She also has a great course, um, the Pelvic Floor, the Playbook. So if you're interested, we'll put that in the show notes as well. And let us know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. I think a lot of people are going to have some light bulb moments here. That's my hope anyway. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll see you next week.